This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is The Good Life, food, wine, and all the good things of life. Now, here's the host of The Good Life, Guy Bauer. I got sports. Uh, Becky Diamond is the author of The Gilded Age Cookbook, Recipes and Stories from America's Golden Era. It is uh, a, a magnificent book that would give you the opportunity to go back in time, think in terms of 1868 to 1900. And there's so many things about that error that uh, that contribute to how we approach food and dining and entertaining today. And it was an opulent error. And who better to tell us about it than Becky? She's a food writer, a librarian, a researcher, historian. She specializes in reconstructing historical recipes. She's collaborated with several chefs and food groups to recreate historic dinners. And more importantly, she's put together some great books. Uh, The $1,000 Dinner and Mrs. Goodfellow, The Story of America's Finest Cooking School, The Gilded Age Cookbook, and then now this cookbook. She lives in Pennsylvania in Yardley, kind of a little more than halfway between New York and Philly. And she's nice enough to be on the show today. Becky, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Great to be here. Well, I'm sorry for the confusion in the middle, in the in the beginning. I it, I messed up uh, a setting, and it took us a minute to get it right. I'll take full. Credit. No worries. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you, congratulations. This is such an interesting book. There's so many recipes. My wife has put yellow stickies on, which means. She's excited to try them. And uh, more importantly, it's just such an, an important part of uh, how we got to where we are today. You know, and I learned so much just reading the introduction. If we did nothing but let you read the introduction in your words, people would love it. Um, but let's go back to you, and this will lead us to the introduction in the book or be part of it. Uh, what got you interested in food? You, you've done some pretty unique things leading up to today. Give us your kind of, this is your life. Oh, thank you so much, yeah, for that wonderful introduction and for all your interest in in this uh, project. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been a long road. I've always liked writing and and food, so combining the two is is a dream. 
And then um, I, I went back to get my library degree after I got a degree in journalism. So then that whole research piece is really what's needed to write about food history. You know, you're going back in time and you need to research these old cookbooks and other publications that had food in them and, and, and about them. So, you know, I started about 15 years ago when um, I, I moved to Yardley, Pennsylvania, and found there was a publisher nearby who was interested in history. That was kind of his focus. And I pitched him an idea for this um, America's First Cooking School, which was Mrs. Goodfellow in the early 1800s in Philadelphia. And it just really went from there. I, I started learning so much about food history and just the importance and what we can learn from it. I always say there's so much of our history, you know, just as a culture in America and throughout the world that, that we can learn through food. And, you know, why not teach people as you're also entertaining them, you know, because who doesn't like to cook and, and read about it? So um, doing all that research for the first book led me to find out about The Thousand Dollar Dinner, which was my second book. And that moved into a slightly later part of the 19th century because that was mid-19th century. And I started recreating these recipes that I was writing about and blogging. You know, I had a blog and still do. But, you know, all those blog posts, I thought, why not combine that into a cookbook? Because it's just so interesting what we can learn. And that's how the Gilded Age cookbook came about. And, and I was lucky in that this era has seen somewhat of a renaissance with um, just TV shows like the, like the Gilded Age TV show and some movies. And so I feel like it's it's kind of hot right now, which is nice, you know, to people's interest has peaked in, in the whole era. So, yeah, that's how it came about. And I just immersed myself in it. So, Well, there, there's so many factors that made this start to happen, in my opinion. I mean, think back to our great-grandparents. If they didn't grow it, can it, or buy it from somebody, when I say can, it was mason jars. Uh, right. You know, that did those same things. They, they didn't have food. Grocery stores were uh, a luxury and had food, but more of the ingredients to make your own food. And then we progressed really pretty rapidly, I think, in the late 1800s to where, you know, the invention of cans, canned food instead of mason jar food, if you will, and mass production of those and fresh vegetables, the availability due to refrigeration of uh, great beef and, and produce trucked in from destinations away. And I, I think that really contributed to the beginning of what, uh, you know, I don't think my great grandparents sat down with four other couples or three other couples to an extravagant multi-course meal. But my grandparents did, my parents did, and we do. Uh, it's kind of an interesting history, that part of it. Exactly. All those things that you said are points that I bring up in the book. And the Gilded Age really was that this time of innovation. And exactly like what you were saying, canned goods were coming about. Um, refrigeration as well as the railroad really contributed 
to being um, making goods available throughout a wider range um, of areas. People, you know, where you are out in Kansas could now get seafood that they couldn't have really gotten in the past because it wouldn't have lasted that long distance. But then, you know, when we started canning things and freezing and all of that, it really made things so much more available um, and and made life easier in some ways too to to make these dishes you know with other innovations like baking powder and the egg beater and ice cream machine makers you know for the home use so I just think it's fascinating how things evolve over time and and what we can learn from it well and I have seen this to a limited degree yes we evolve quickly when it comes to kitchen appliances especially once we got into uh, the past century where, you know, electricity was a common, everybody had it and running water and all that. But think of all the things that have been developed that people have in their kitchen, you know, fancy mixers and, and all kinds of cooking items, air fryers, blah, blah, blah. And yet I see, and I've talked to some people about this kind of desire to go back in time and hunt for antique uh, whisks and antique uh, blenders and things like that. I think that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. In the beginning, I, I think you, you you covered in the book pretty well. Uh, it was a strange time in our country where, uh, you know, the hoi polloi were living in tenements and the fancy people were, you know, had two big fancy homes, one out in the island and one in New York, whatever. And uh, to get invited to or be a part of one of these fancy served meals, multi-course uh, extravaganzas was a stature issue. It was kind of like, you've made it, you're in. That, that I just, I can imagine how that is, but I'm glad I wasn't a part of that unless, unless I was on the high end <laughs> side. Right. You no, know, exactly. And, you know, that people's, uh, the society circles that they, you know, moved around in were were pretty small in a lot of ways. You know, they kept them that way, and it really did make or break your status in society, depending on what you could pull off and show off. And um, it really, you know, that there were people that really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps to to get this done and it it actually made the middle class really want to emulate what the upper class was doing and the the middle class was rising at this point so you do see situations where the middle class is you know trying these same kind of tea parties and debutante balls and it's just not on the same level as the the you know super as, as we call them today the one percenters <laughs> could do things <laughs> Oh goodness! So, well, yeah, so it was interesting, very much so. Well, yeah, and it fueled this idea that, to a degree, is still in play, but on the other hand, is lacking in that the dinner table was a place to uh, to gather the family, uh, and maybe later adding friends and things to have a a, a kind of a semi formal, if you will, sit down meal rather than. You know, falls into that category of what uh, live to eat or eat to live. Right, exactly, and and I always say food was a huge differentiator back then, um, more so I feel like than today. In that, 
it was it was a luxury item status symbol to have you know the some of these really fine dishes on your table and you needed to have a chef who knew how to do that how to how to make these things and that was another thing these women would really you know i don't know have to jump through hoops to to get one of these chefs because they were all kind of clamoring for the same same one services you know and um so that's why i talk about cooking schools because that was really important that people knew how to make this french food and even the ladies that were the so-called debutantes would go to some of these cooking classes just to inform themselves a little more of what they should have on their tables and and then they could tell their cooks you know what they wanted to make go through the recipes and and such so um and again it was a form of entertainment because these these chefs were you know like we think of today with the food network and cooking shows and they're very entertaining that's the same thing it just was in person because we didn't have youtube and (laughs) going you know cable tv and that sort of thing so well leaps leaps and bounds we've moved in that regard and it's become right. almost more of an entertainment issue than an instructional thing. And, you know, when you mentioned cooking schools back in the Gilded Age, it, it has nothing to do with cooking schools today, I don't think. Uh, you know, yep. there, there wasn't Julia Child and Graham Kerr and and, and some of the others that uh, made TV cooking schools or, or recipe development lessons uh, popular. It's uh, It's fun to see the evolution. And I think... I alluded to it, but I think we'd be better off as a society if we put more emphasis on dinner around the table. You know, I mean, we had dinner time and it was usually right right about the time it got dark in South Florida. And if you weren't home, you were uh, ostracized and everybody washed up and sat down and, you know, kind of a a big deal. Well, um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And just... Um, one fun fact, too, to, is that especially in New York City, uh, businessmen, you know, there are bankers and merchants and, and such, they started moving further and further further north in Manhattan, so they couldn't come home for lunch anymore. So what they would do is have their lunch downtown and then come home for dinner, and that made the dinner hour a little bit later than it was um, you know, before the Gilded Age. So that was uh, kind of a, like a fun fact that I learned. But anyway, well, yeah. I got so many questions and things I want you to talk about, but we need to take a break. Okay. Even though I gooned right. up the opening, we'll, uh, we'll take a break, come back, and uh, be ready to talk more with my guest, Becky Diamond. She's the author of The Gilded Age Cookbook. There's information at goodlifeguy.com, but I suggest you go right to the source, beckyldiamond.com. And, uh, Follow her on Facebook, uh, X, or better yet, uh, subscribe to her blog and get uh, some of the coolest things. Becky, I shared your chocolate cake thing. I didn't. I am a chocoholic, and <laughs> and did I, it's National Chocolate Day today. National Chocolate Cake Day. Oh yeah, yeah perfect. So, My wife yeah. is making one for dinner tonight. Oh good. And she didn't even okay. know. <laughs> okay, yeah, she's she's clued in, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, she's a trendsetter. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more with Becky. I got a great one of the week to come up uh, in the last uh, portion of the show. It's from Portugal. And you go, well, Portugal. Pretty highly rated and really tasty. We'll taste it together later in the program. Don't go away. Quick break, and we'll be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 